Welcome to Let's Make a Podcast, where Josh Mobley talks absolute crap. thought about just ripping that out of that episode and using it as a bumper for every single episode moving forward brilliant <clears throat> so. Mm-hmm. so what what's on the agenda for tonight uh, we got a, we got a bunch of stuff uh, I mean everybody was throwing out topics so we've got a bunch of stuff uh, queued up here uh, right we got an hour to cram it into yeah we, we do this is gonna be action-packed or gonna be god-awfully boring I don't know Let's um, let's start with get workflows. Um, okay. I mean, we we use a couple of different ones, so I'm curious to see what you guys are doing. Let's get. It's <laughs> that <laughs> thing I'm cussing at every day when I. Uh... Get. Let's get serious. Let's get serious on this, Josh. Do you know what get is? Do which one? Which. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Uh, I know uh, Rocco knows what it is. Yeah, I assume that you were talking to me, <laughs> considering you're a bit of a prick at times. Oh! Um, Leave that in. No, I'll probably I'll just I'll just bleep that out. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting that we talked about Git workflows, and and honestly, you know, for for me. Um, more often than not right now in my current role, I'm sort of the only person touching most of our Git repos. I, I was going to so, say, I was going to bet your workflow was like commit master, commit master, commit master, commit master. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I will say that at least I do br- try to branch pretty heavily just so that there's always production-ready code ready to roll out Whoa. if something goes wrong. But That's actually quite um, a novel idea, though, because a lot of developers <laughs> do not subscribe to that and it drives me nuts Mm. that is bad practice i just send emails out constantly like never please do not commit to master ever 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 i mean i think never yeah i mean that's please would you guys i mean to me master like if you're working on a team or really any project of any substance regardless even if it's you by yourself i mean Almost always, you should be merging in with pull requests on master. I would think. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. It's like ninety nine percent of the time. The only time that yeah. I don't do that is when I've broken something. <laughs> no, fixing right. It. I mean, if you're in crisis mode every now and again. <laughs> every day. Uh, I mean, I mean, if it's something like something I still want to get reviewed because it's a comprehensive fix, I'll still PR it. But if if it's something where I just have like a stupid typo and for some reason it didn't get called or. Um, something in the uh, build process is broken in our grunt config or something. I'll, I'll just commit to master just to just to get it out. Yeah. Wow. We don't really use pull requests actually. Um, just oh because, really? Well, there isn't really a lot of point for us because I mean, if we're working on you know a, uh, if we're working on software where we're doing like you know proper releases and stuff, then we'd probably use them. But <clears throat> most of the time for us we're developing developing a website developing a website developing a website deploying a website um, mm-hmm. so uh, we don't really use uh, we we do work with companies that use pull requests so if we're working on someone else's code base that's not ours then we'll use pull requests which you know is a good idea if anyone else is working on our code base outside of our development team, we'll have pull requests. But most of the time, if we're developing, we don't use pull requests. I'm you just a... sort of merge in new branches when they're ready to roll. Uh, yeah, we use uh, we use Gitflow. I don't know whether it's the Wild West over there. Rocker uses that, but we use Gitflow. Um, so we always 
I mean, any Git system should have a developer and a master branch, um, in my opinion. You don't yeah. have to. Um, um, I mean, for me, personally, I generally run, it seems like I run three, minimum of three branches on almost every project. <clears throat> I've got a master branch, and then I have sort of a production branch and a staging branch. I know that seems sort of strange to have both a production branch and a master branch, but I think usually that comes from working in certain environments that use Git deploys, and I have a master set up before sort of the environment is set up. And, you know, also using the master branch to push to, I don't know, I, for some reason having a product, like having a Git repo on GitHub without a master branch seems... First of all, is it even possible? I'm not sure that it is. Uh, yeah, I it, think it I, is. I think master is just the default name, but you can you can yeah, name it whatever. I never you want. go through the trouble of renaming that though. I mm -hmm. just create a production branch instead, and so then if I'm doing Git deploys, I I just know. I mean, it, it makes it nice too if you're using a GUI like Source Tree or something, because you can see pretty quickly like, oh, master, that's what the pr production code uh, you know in in theory both what's running on the production branch and the master branch should be in sync and if you ever see those two things being not in sync then you know the latest production ready code has not actually been pushed to production which can be useful i think hmm. interesting i think that's but, more of a terminology thing though because it's probably similar because um, yeah, it's definitely semantic at that point. I don't know what you use, Josh Rooker, um, but uh, we've been using Gitflow for a while, and uh, it's actually, I don't know what GUIs you guys use for, for Git, but I, I used to use Tower, and then I switched to SourceTree about mm -hmm. a year ago. Because mm -hmm. SourceTree used to be, I'm going to say it, it was god-awful. The interface is awful. Yeah. But they've actually yeah. done a lot of work on it. It's pretty nice now. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's what happens when you get acquired by a large company. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I've used SourceTree for a long time. We, I mean, you used to be able to just grab a free license and you could, I mean, it's still free, but you would yeah, just go is. grab a free license and it was kind of an independent product. But I guess sometime in the last three or four years, it was acquired by Atlassian. Um, so it's a little nicer and sleeker now. It's a little cleaner. It kind of matches the uh, uh, some of the stylistic things uh, that they're trying to do in some of their other product offerings. Um, yeah. I think a, lot of, a lot of the iconography and stuff is similar to what you see in uh, Bitbucket and things like that. Um, yeah, they've actually scaled it back even more. Like the last sort of major release, they, they did a lot. I mean, it's... Um, they've really simplified the interface even more, and they've done mm -hmm. a whole new, uh, you know, icon set. Um, I actually quite like it. Um, I used to really like Tower, and I'm sure Tower is still good, but um, for me, the fact that Source Tree was also free made it quite appealing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, not from a not from a sort of being, uh, you know, um, frugal, but. I think for for companies, you know, it's e it's easy just to have like something that's free. I I kind of favour that if it's good enough. If it, if it's good enough for the job, then I don't mind it. And it's easy. It's like right, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to onboard someone and be like, right, I'm gonna have to get you a license for that and a license for that and a license for this. And it's just boom, download it. It's awesome. You're good to go. I think uh, one of the first things I did when I was hired at NC State, um, and this is probably five five years ago or so now, um, uh, is we, we were introducing Git as a, a version control system at, at a, a place that had never had version control at all. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we, you know, we had a lot of people that, that would occasionally interact with code. Well, not a lot, but we had a few people that would, inter would occasionally interact with the code, but <laughs> didn't really know anything about coding. Um, or version control systems or anything like that. Uh, and uh, so what we would do, I mean, we, for a while there, we were just evaluating different um, GUIs for, for the Git um, and trying to uh, basically find something that, you know, the designers could kind of grok and mm. what uh, our rider could, you know, handle and, and God love them, our, our, our boss could handle. Um, and Ironically, I, the riders and the designers 
actually used it with some success. I don't know that our boss ever bothered. <laughs> I, I, I think I think I went to his office about every three months and just stashed everything because he would just create like new clones of everything. And I was just oh, like, stop, God. stop. Yeah. No. There was a couple times where he just pushed stuff with FTP and tell us to add it later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happened a decent amount. Yeah. Well, yeah, my changes got lost on the last uh, deployment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, that was the sad thing is we had an auto deployment set up, so it would it would definitely be overridden at some point. Um, so it was it was terrifying. It, it wow. really didn't make any sense, and no one really <laughs> wanted to adopt it, and so it, it was foundry. But uh, we. Uh, you know, Tower was one of the, the GUIs that I evaluated back then because it was really sleek, and I thought most people would be able to handle it. And I think uh, Git, uh, sorry, GitHub had um, their own. Is that is that Tower? That's not. That's not. Tower. Yeah, it is Tower. Well, see, mm -hmm. uh, there was another one that was really slick that was out there too that we were evaluating. But all I remember is that it it didn't handle the size of our repo very well at that time. Um, oh right. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I mean we. It wasn't that particularly large repo, so I don't. I don't know. It's just we had a lot of images and stuff in it, um, which, you know, I've since found better ways to kind of handle that stuff. But yeah, um, you know, I think I think at one point when I was trying to push it to GitHub, it was like almost a gig, so it was pretty large. You know, I think I re I misspoke. Tower was not ever related to GitHub for oh, some reason. Okay. I thought it oh, was. Oh, GitHub had their own. Yeah, Tower was yeah. its own. Tower was kind of like an independent kind That's of. That's what I was thinking. Thing. Yeah. yeah, there was sort of I will dare I say cool do you know what I mean it was like one of those it, they had a quite a cool looking website and, mm -hmm. and it was it got quite a lot of uh, I think quite a lot of people were buzzing about it when it came out because it was you know it was quite a nice interface I think they'd spent time on the interface it was quite it's quite nice um, yeah because I used but to use versions back in the day when I used to use subversion oh. um, and uh I felt like Tower was sort of similar to that, obviously for a different system, but um, <clears throat> so I, yeah, I, I actually quite like Tower. I would probably still use it now, probably if Source Tree didn't exist and was free. Uh, Sorry, you know Tower. the fu the, f the funny thing is, I I don't really use the GUI nearly as much as I used to. I mean, I mostly live in the command line now, but uh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, fine. Uh, there, there are things that you can do in, in the command line that are just, it would take me an hour to figure out how to do it. In yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I forget where I was going with that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. I never remember now. Uh, so the only, the only thing that I, well, the thing that I use mostly source tree for now is conflict resolution and diffing. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I just, I mm -hmm. think it does those things particularly well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I still use it for that, but um, it, it, it has um it has Git flow tools built into it as well, which mm -hmm. we use. So it's quite nice. And and, and Tower too also has Git flow built into it as well. Um, so yeah, I actually used to use command line a lot, but I don't really do that much in the command line anymore. Apart from if I break something and I don't know how to do it in the GUI, I could just go into the command line well I think I think partly the reason why I started doing that was just now every time I pull changes um, from develop particularly uh, a lot of times what I'll have to do is I'll just have to install power components or uh, node components and mm -hmm. um, it's pretty frequently that if, if I don't that it, my my build won't run um, so I mean I'm, I'm just doing that it just became kind of force of habit right um, just to do it there it was you're sort was of already in the command quicker. line to do the other stuff so why not yeah makes sense makes a lot of sense but but to go back and answer your your question about what what our workflow is um yeah so so we have we have two kind of workflows that are in place and, and different teams have different workflows and um the the two main repos that i work on uh one one is Gitflow-ish, it's not completely there, but it, it has a lot of the same principles. We have a develop branch, we have a, a master branch. Uh, we pull release branches from develop when we're uh, ready to start, uh, you know, finalizing changes to to push to production. Right. Um, and the way that our our our, our build process is set up 
um, is we have a couple of different environments that we can run our code in. Um, and each of these different environments have different resources attached to them, and this is all running in AWS. Um, and so when, when we decide that we're gonna pull a release branch, uh, we have, I mean, all the time, um, our develop environment is running our develop branch. It, it never runs anything else. But, um, well, I take that back. We have two develop, <laughs> two develop <laughs> branches. There we go. There we go. Uh, so we, so we have like a beta branch and we have like a develop, uh, true develop uh, URL that you can hit the application in. So the beta branch is always pointed directly at, at develop. So it's changing constantly. Um, it doesn't really have stability in it at all. Um, right. the, 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 the true develop environment is either pointed at master or it's pointed at wherever the release branch is. And so as you go through the different environments, we have a test environment, we have a staging environment. We basically, when the, when the build is processed, um, we use um, Jenkins to, to run the build, pick it up for their continuous integration. Uh, it'll tag it with a build number. Uh, and that build number will go from one environment to the next. We'll just pick it up and copy it into a different S3 bucket. Um, and then we'll run it against different um, backend resources uh, for the API. And, um, different things like that. <clears throat> and so whenever we uh, cut a release branch, uh, that'll be what develop points at, that'll be what test points at, that'll be what our staging environment points at. Uh, but it'll almost certainly point at a different build number on that branch. So as uh, as tests passed and, and our QA folks sign off on it, it'll go from one environment to the next to the next, each build. Uh, and they'll take a handful of builds at a time until it's completely up to date. Um, and then when we get to the end of it, we'll, we'll open a production ticket uh, and say we're ready to ship this. We'll have a couple of people sign off. Um, and then essentially what we'll do is we'll merge that release branch into master. Uh, and then we'll uh, update. Um, hold on. I'm saying that weird. We will... Well, now I'm forgetting. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh. oh, Josh isn't oh. doing the releases. Uh, only occasionally. Uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a few months since I've done one, though. I think um, you got a promotion last week, too. So what does that tell you? scary, isn't it? Uh -oh. uh, it's late. Hold on. Um, <clears throat> we go from uh, DCA to TCA to staging. Um, then we will um, we'll eventually merge it to master. We'll point... Um, uh, production to master and it'll be fine um, and then we'll point all the other environments uh, for the builds to master until we pull a new release branch except for beta beta will always it's a little complicated but it, it's it, it, it actually works pretty well and it lets a lot of people see the state of the app at different points um, yeah. because if it's, if it's changing continuously it's just really hard to work with uh, and that that is the one nice thing about GitFlow is that master is always a say uh, you know a picture of of whatever you have in production. Um, yeah. Develop is always meant to be unstable. Um, uh, and then we have feature branches flying off that aren't really pointed at any deployed environment, but you can check out locally and run if you want. Uh, we actually have some nice things because it's all hosted up on S3 buckets. You know, you can target a build uh, in any environment. You can just you know, put a build number on it and you can run it. <laughs> Uh, like a historical view of that of that app, it'll just kind of hit a subfolder and load it from that subfolder, which is pretty nice. cool. That's cool. Um, but on the other side, the other app that we we have, we do not use develop branches. We have more linear workflow. Is that basically you merge everything into master? There is no develop branch, uh, and we kind of do the same thing, um, where <laughs> every time. Uh, Jenkins picks up the build. It'll it'll deploy it to uh, one of those S3 buckets. Um, so as soon as um, you merge into master, it'll be immediately pick it up. It'll tag it. It'll throw it into the develop environment. Uh, at some point, we can do a promotion job where we'll take that copy of whatever's in in develop uh, in the develop environment and we'll pick it up and we'll drop it into testing. Uh, we'll do the same thing, drop it into staging, and then when we're ready to actually release it, we'll just push it. We'll, well, we'll open up a ticket and then we'll push it to production. Um, there, there are benefits to doing, um, to doing it with 
um, GitFlow, where if you have features, you can kind of pick and choose which features you can pull release branch early and say, oh, I'm going to wait. I don't want to merge. So like if you have release branch open and you have a feature branch that you come off and you're like, well, I don't really want to go out in the next release. I'm going to let it wait and we'll bake it. We'll let it sit and we'll dog food it for a little while. We can target it to develop as opposed to release where it's got a little bit quicker path to production. So there, there are some advantages to doing it that way. When you just have a master branch though, you just kind of have it all chunked together. You can't handpick what you want to push up. Right. Once it goes in, it's it's on its way, and if it if it can't go out, you're either gonna have to pull it back out or, um, you know, fix it, um, and you're gonna end up blocking uh, a production push at some point uh, if it needs to go out quickly. Um, but that's that's kind of the two workflows that most of the people that I work with use, um, and and we're we're heavy pull request people, uh, which I mean I I can't imagine not doing pull requests anymore yeah uh i, I, I was just in looking your, in your kind of environment where you're all working on you know a piece of software that's you know super complex and there's a lot of fingers dipping into it then pull requests are absolutely essential yeah i mean um, i think right i think right now we have about 50 open pull requests i mean right now wow. one time um, yeah and you know that's that's probably across i don't know a hundred developers maybe or a hundred different users at least reviewing those yeah. pull requests um but yeah i, I mean I, I i see the benef- i mean i see a lot of benefits in git flow i think sometimes it's the simplicity of just that you know linear flow is, is also nice um so i mean i i don't really mind either uh and i think you can make either work but yeah uh, anyway that's that's just my opinion on it cool Probably. Yep. You're still alive? I'm alive. <laughs> I'm lost between branches over here. Whole... <laughs> he's quickly trying to he's quickly trying to rectify his branch situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we, we um he's, I mean I think I, I think Josh has got a detached head over there somewhere. He doesn't know where he's at. <laughs> possible uh get joke but i'm fine boom brilliant that was good i might stash that one for later oh. 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 Ah. i'm here all week 12 till 10 o'clock <laughs> yeah we we um we don't really have a situation where we've got tons of developers working on the same same code base so we've usually only got like one or two people working on the same thing um, so that's why we don't really use pull requests when we're developing because um, <clears throat> there's not really much point. So and and we don't we we don't really use Git flow. I mean, when we're developing, there's no point using Git flow. Like if the site isn't if the site isn't released, then there's no point mm-hmm. using Git flow until it's actually been released. So once once we actually release a website. That's when GitFlow. I mean, GitFlow probably gets initialized straight away, but there's no point like running feature branches when we're just developing the site because it's sort of all a feature, so it's all just done in develop branch. Um, and then once so, maybe I'm just not hip with the cool kids are doing these days. <laughs> but can you talk a little bit more about what GitFlow is and yes. what does it do? So, all right, Josh Mobley. So. It's 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 really nothing more than sort of a a, a convention, uh, but um, well, someone came up with this as a as a workflow that they were using, and it eventually became GitFlow, and now there's tools that are built into um, SourceTree and other. There's a command line for it as well that allows you to do this GitFlow workflow. So essentially, GitFlow is based around these three different branch types. Uh, you've got hotfixes, which um, hotfix branches off master and is essentially to to, um, to work on critical issues that have occurred in production. So if you've got 
you know, in Rucker's case, they've just released something and then they realize they made a mistake, then a hotfix would be created to fix the bug. And that hotfix then merges back into the master and it also merges back into develop. <clears throat> um, Mm-hmm. Then you have feature branches, and feature branches are for new features or n- updates, whatnot. Something that isn't critical, but it's a change to the code base. So, um, you know, you want to build out a new template, or you want to add some new functionality, something along those lines. Bloody cat. Um, so that's a fe- feature branches are probably the most commonly used branches because mm-hmm. um, and and feature branches uh, emerged from the develop branch um, and then the last branch is release branch and the release branch is essentially when you are ready to essentially take all of the features that you've been working on and uh, and eventually put them back into master uh, to production so the um once you've finished a feature it goes back into develop and then the release branch is um created from develop and then you would mm. obviously at that point once the release branch has been created you can't add any new features so you, you're sort of in that <laughs> point well, so well, you not, say you're not supposed to <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you can you just add them directly to the release but um and then obviously you test that release and that release gets tagged and eventually merges back into master and develop. I'm going to murder my cat in a second. Uh, so it's so much, so much for PETA as a sponsor. Say again. <laughs> so much as PETA for a sponsor. <laughs> so I, it's, it's actually, you should look up, look it up, Josh, cause it's actually quite nice. It's, I like it a lot. Um, We've been using it for a while, um, and it's actually especially useful when you're working with kind of like uh, you know bigger teams as well. I think it's worked. Yeah, no, it it definitely is. Um, Because um, I've worked in in uh, on code bases where there's a lot of developers and they have these kind of crazy like sort of uh, naming conventions for branches, and you never know like. <laughs> You never really know what branch is what. Like, there's just no. Whereas with uh, Gitflow, you know, with the fact that you've got, uh, you know, features and releases and hotfixes, you sort it gives you a little bit more context about what, um, you know, what branches are are in are in uh, development or or in. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> and it kind of creates like a little folder almost for them, Josh. So you sort of see features. And, and you can see all the different features. Hot fixes don't usually stick around for very often because they're generally nope. supposed to be fixed quickly. Hot. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I can definitely see the merit there. I'm not sure that I work with enough people that are also working on the code to warrant yeah. even worrying about it at this point. I mean, generally we have, you know, apart from our different environment branches, in terms of our feature branches, we may have maximum, I think, three open at a single time. Yeah. Usually only one or two. The, the one thing... Which is, which is really nice in a way because it keeps everything super simple. Yeah. But. I would think that the one, the one area that you would be able to leverage that pretty well, though, is if you're... <laughs> If you're working on a site and you have uh, a staging uh, environment and you have a production environment and maybe you're pushing, uh, e- even though the site may, may not be, may not be uh, released yet or it's you know, closed off, but maybe you've allowed the client to see it or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, instead of giving them your staging environment, maybe they don't ever need to see that. Maybe they only want to see the insight or, or whatever. But um, you know, if you had a master branch and development branch, you could set up deployments for master to go to production, develop to go to your staging environment. And that way you could always continuously deploy to your staging environment, but not uh, continuously deploy to master. I mean, you, you know, it's up to yeah. you, but uh, you know, yeah. if, if you're, once that site, you know, um, becomes production ready and you launch it, uh, you can continue to push to develop and push those changes, but until you merge the, you know, open a release and merge that into uh, master, you know, those changes aren't 
out there yet, but it, I think it would be, support a, uh, a normal staging environment pretty well. Yeah, I mean, so currently, you know, I would say that 75, 75% of projects that we're doing are built on WordPress. I'm using WP Engine as our hosting provider. So the infrastructure piece is all super managed from that standpoint. Uh, one of the nice things about WP Engine is that it offers sort of one-click staging environments. So every, every WordPress install that you put up in their environment uh, comes along with a, with a dot staging also. Um, mm. And so they also have Git deployment. So generally what it looks like for me at this point in time is I'll have a production branch and a, and a staging branch. And so you know, I, can, I can merge things into staging, which via your terminology you would probably call develop. For the most, for the most part, um, and then I, I auto deploy that out to WP Engine anyway through a Git push. Um, so I mean, it requires me to manually push it versus auto deploying it to a certain degree. But you know, I mean, that's a, it's pretty trivial in the grand scheme of things for me right now. Mm -hmm. Sure. If that makes any sense, I don't know if that made sense at all. Yeah, I mean, I, we have uh, yeah. a WordPress. We have a couple WordPress yeah. sites that we we manage with uh, WP Engine, mm -hmm. and and certainly when you're handling when you're working with, uh, um, you know, a hosting provider that manages so much of it for you, it, and and well, and honestly, I probably I mean any um, any site where you're working with, uh, I mean, the, the, it, we can we can talk about this in a second, but. Uh, the first point would be that anytime you're working with somewhere that manages uh, a lot of um, that deployment stuff, has their own staging uh, hooks and stuff like that set up and provided right. for you, it, it doesn't. You lose some of what you know you can do to customize that workflow. Um, but it still is. I mean, their tools are handy, and if you like working in that environment, then uh, that's good. But um, the other the other point I was going to make is that anytime you're working with um, uh, deploy, uh, get deployments with you know database-driven um, sites. Um, it, it's a little trickier um, because now you're also, I mean, you can deploy the template or you, your plugins or, or whatever you want to do, but you also have to figure out a way to to migrate the database, and, and something like WP Engine will help you do that very easily, yeah. um, as opposed to if you were just building it and staging it uh, and you know in your own. Um, Workspace somewhere, and then you were at a different production server that you needed to train. You know, to, you had to move all of your database stuff, mm. and then you'd have to manually transplant that the database uh, across. Yeah, um, and so. so I mean, for the the projects that we're doing, and the general sort of scale of those projects, for the most part, I mean, that's a it's super handy to be able to just pull a fresh copy off of production into your staging environment. You know, almost instantly. That's great. Mm -hmm. um, and then if, if there's a more complicated feature that I'm sort of building or at least b deploying out to staging for sort of client approval before we take it to production too, I mean, sometimes it obviously depends on the scale of that. Sometimes that can be tricky and I have to sort of manually migrate it. But if it's a small enough feature, I can sort of put a, a hold on any new content production on the production site for a couple hours and then build that feature out and then push sort of in the opposite direction, you know, copy from staging to live, which also replicates the database in that direction too. So I don't have to go reconfigure custom fields and all that kind of stuff on the production site. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I, if I were working on, you know, from my previous job, like if I'm working in a huge journalism environment that's built on WordPress, that's not a reality like you can't do that you can't tell people not to publish content for two hours so mm -hmm. um it works on sort of informational marketing sites that are managed by a, a relatively small team for heavy content sites that wouldn't necessarily be the case right mm. but for i mean for those for the type of things that we're doing for the most part wp engine has been very handy the other thing that's great about wp engine is their support team rocks um, I don't know that I've a we've had awesome like uptime no disruptions uh, when there was I forget what what was the um, 
what was the hacking or the hacking sort of threat that came out over the holidays this year? Uh, you remember what you know what I'm talking about? I no. don't know that I know which one specifically you're referring to. That was like a really widespread. Which is is this a WordPress specific hack? Yeah, I'm not. Ex- Wait, you're talking about like November last year? Yeah, like right around Christmas time. Can't remember. Was there? Was it a? Uh, <clears throat> maybe it was a. Uh, was it a PHP issue or something? I thought there's definitely something that affected Drupal and WordPress at one point. Yeah, sure. I want to say it was, it was a PHP timing. security vulnerability, but. Anyway, regardless, it was very interesting because WP Engine basically emailed me and said, these two or three installs could be affected by this, so we're going to lift, or or like may have already been compromised, so we're going to lift them up and move them infrastructure, change the DNS, we'll reroute the DNS for you for two months until you have a chance to go in and change it. Like They did all of that for me without me having to ask or anything, which was awesome. Is this podcast um, being sponsored by WP Engine? <laughs> uh, but I mean, it it could be. <laughs> give me give me a call, WP Engine. We'll work it out. Last week we verbally bashed Pantheon. This week, saving grace with WP Engine. <laughs> I say we, but verbally bashed Pantheon. It was mostly R- really me. Really, you just bashed it. Yeah. It wasn't the service, it was the cost. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so I mean, the the mm-hmm. so the other 25% of the stuff that we're doing with, you know, flat file CMSs, <clears throat> Statamic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> plus, plus one for Statamic 2. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have we There's... talked about that? Version 2 has, we has landed. We have not. Okay. I'm actually quite interested yeah. in it, though. Yeah, we'll but get there. In the um, interest of keeping com- this to Coming an hour. next week, Josh's. Yeah, next week. <laughs> yeah, coming um, next week is Josh's in-depth review of Statamic 2. <laughs> that's, that's right. I'm actually probably going to be upgrading a site from Statamic 1 to Statamic 2 in the near future. So Ooh, that, I'm sure go. that will make for some interesting discussion. That's very interesting. Um, but the, the Git workflow on our Statamic sites is relatively simple. I mean... You know, I'll have a I'll have a staging branch, a master branch, and then obviously I'll create any feature branches. But in terms of the the, the one thing that I would love to automate, and I, I don't know if you guys know a solution to this or not, is that on so I'm using Web Factional for my hosting for those sites, and I would love it if the host could sort of watch, like that server could sort of watch for changes. To the content folder because if it could auto commit and push even auto even just auto commit changes in the content folder for me so that i don't always have to remember to go in and push those up before i like try to do a pull and then get like a potential conflict error and then have to go and then go oh that's right i need to push you know you know what i mean well, do you mean content that's being published from in on the production on the production environment yeah you want to sync them back down so you want those to be committed to the repo right so i mean you could probably do a pre-commit hook to see if you are up to date with the uh remote mm-hmm. uh, and that would at least stop you from committing it until you pulled it um, yeah i mean it it it's basically get by its very nature won't let me break that mm-hmm. because when i try to when I try to pull, it's going to tell me that it's either going to overwrite some stuff or, right. you know, or there'll be like a fast forward error. Or some, something will prevent me from breaking Stash. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it's never been a problem. It would just be really slick if all that was automated. Do you, do you need to, to version that stuff though? Well, to me, that's one of the awesome. I mean, to me, that's one of the benefits yeah. of using statics or not static site necessarily, but flat file because you know I can I can get push and then get pull on my local, and I have a 
up-to-the-minute copy of the production environment locally that mm. I can build on, which is awesome. You could probably... Uh, I would be tempted to... I would be tempted to not version that stuff because it sounds terrifying, but... And then, <laughs> uh, like, use R-Sync T- Terrifying in, in what way, though? Because, well... In the, in the same way that I never version like WordPress upload folders mm-hmm. because it's you know generated content from another source and it's to me it's too hairy because <laughs> I don't want to be deploying that code um, because mm-hmm. it's it's too uh, it's too frightening for me I don't know I don't know I don't know I mean to, it's <laughs> it's a slightly different scenario because we're talking about well maybe it's not a different scenario um, maybe it's not a different scenario I, I don't know jo- uh, Rocker what's your thoughts on that on <laughs> semantically semantically <laughs> versioning content that sounds like a terrible idea um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, I don't know that I, I don't know that I agree. I mean, I well, understand your point. I, I wouldn't be, and to your point, I would obviously not be versioning WordPress upload folders. Well, um, I, 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 guess, but, I guess, but when you don't have a database at all, there's a certain level of comfort too to having all your content versioned it, in flat files. But, uh, yeah. Mm. Well, it, mm. well, I mean, okay. So I have two, I have two thoughts here. Uh, the the first is. I guess it depends on the nature of the site. Um, if you have people that are continuously writing content, like a, a news blog or something like that, well, no, maybe it definitely doesn't make sense in that instance. Uh, but if, if you're if you're saying you're just going to be pushing uh, content to a site that is otherwise relatively static, uh, okay, maybe uh, I can I can definitely maybe get behind that one. Um, but I don't know that I would necessarily need to semantically version it. I mean, you have. Uh, a, um, I mean, you, you'll have a, a Git commit SHA for <laughs> each change that is made that, I mean, I, I don't think you need to semantically version it and put a number on it. I mean, if you have like oh. a continuous integration server or something that's doing the deployment, you could, you could put a build on it, uh, or put some kind of tag on it for, uh, a date or, or whatever you wanted to do. Um, but it seems like, it seems like the content would be changing a lot. Yeah. That well, maybe... <clears throat> Maybe we're not saying the same thing because I'm not necessarily putting a version number on anything. I'm just talking about keeping those content folders in sync okay. via Git. But I mean, it sort of technically sounds like you're. I mean, the whole site is essentially version controlled. But then you've got Correct. content that's been changed outside of version control, which is then an issue when it comes to making updates because you've got to remember to resync. Essentially, you've got to. Every time you want to make a change, to safely do it, you've got to re-pull down the code from, you know, from the server or something like that to make sure that your code base is back in sync. I mean, is that Correct. right? Yeah. I guess the problem there too is there's a scenario where like, you could do that, but then someone could make a change, on the site, and then like you know in a split second or a couple of minutes while you're resyncing. Then when you repush, you're going to overwrite what they did. Hmm. I, you know, I think in that case, what I would probably want to do is just get ignore the content folder altogether and yeah. just keep the template in the uh, in the repo. Uh, I think if you if you've got parties that are editing uh, the contents of the contents folder uh, outside of the of Git, then I, I don't know that you're going to find an effective solution for that. Because th- mm. this actually brings up another thing that I was going to talk about, which is, um, and I think you guys will have thoughts on this in terms of like you know when you're using WordPress or something, um, whether to version the actual WordPress core or not, um, and no, and one of the who who said that? <laughs> Me, I said that. <laughs> said, I she, never versioned the because, core. What's the point? For, well, for the same reasons that um, you're um, doing the content stuff is, well, essentially, you know, 
if you want to make an update to WordPress, then if it's in the code base, then you can obviously update, test, and deploy. Um, whereas if you don't, then it's a bit more of a blind deploy. Well, this is my thought anyway. Um, and then my the question comes up now, obviously, is that WordPress does update itself with security updates these days, which gets you back into the position that Josh Mob is in, where something is updating the code base outside of version control, and there's a situation where you know you could potentially overwrite code. Thoughts, discuss. <laughs> I like that setup. Yeah, I mean, in terms of dealing with the core WordPress core being potentially out of sync from one environment to the other, um, I, I I personally have never found any any real necessity to worry about that. I'm not saying there are edge cases out there that exist where you absolutely would need to, but I've even had situations where I update it on production and then I update it on staging and then I update it on local all through the one click updater and everything's kosher oh, you and do there's it no through problem. The GUI. At times, yeah. You are seats not of always. pants. Pants of the seat. Wait, uh, wait. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, I mean if it makes you feel any better I do a, a complete image backup before <laughs> I do that. Um, <laughs> he does take precautions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, it's it's an know, interesting. I'm, I'm just trying to remember the last time that a, a core update exploded uh, for me yeah, on WordPress. I, I mean, literally it, can't can't think of one. It's probably it, it might be. I, I remember it going from two one four. Uh, it's been a while though. If if you're like mm. me and you're slightly crazy, then you know. Yeah, we we work with a lot of Drupal stuff as well. So being able to update Drupal and have it version controlled and be able to test and then be able to deploy, um, you know, through a through an auto, you know, through a deployment mm -hmm. tool mm -hmm. is quite nice. Um, and and the issue obviously comes up really more to do with um, WordPress for instance, doing these auto-updates, which is fine, and they usually and they only auto-updates um, security releases, I think, doesn't it? And and those are you know, unlikely to break the site. <clears throat> but you still end up with, a, with this situation where you've sort of got to remember to manually update it locally to get your code yeah. back in sync with what's in production, which is kind of the question you were sort of getting at before is, how do you how do you handle situations where code is being checked because the other thing obviously with WordPress unless you turn it off is you know you hand the uh, you hand the keys over to a client and they start installing plugins and updating plugins in production um, and then you know they want you to make a change to the site um, or you know let's say a, a WordPress update comes out that can't be done automatically or the site gets hacked and you want to redeploy the whole code base, you sort of get into that situation where it's, you've got you sort of got to resync the the code base from what's on the server and it's it's a bit of a pain in the backside really. So I think my question is sort of the same question as yours, Josh. <laughs> like what's the best way to handle that situation? Yeah. I mean, talking about your situation with WordPress, I mean, if I, I turn if into a robot again, <laughs> yeah, you're breaking up a little bit over Skype. God's so. sake! If you could, if you could upgrade your internet package, that would be fantastic. <laughs> it's got 50 megabytes. Verizon. I don't believe it. <laughs> Verizon. What are you getting on your upload? About 3K. Right. Well, let's do a test now, shall we? Let's do it. Right. Let us know what the results will be oh, after we'll the do. break. Well, don't forget, <laughs> we are putting a lot of strain on it now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if your team has a really unified workflow in terms of how, you, how you're upgrading locally in development, pushing to staging, pushing to production, I think you could absolutely make a good case for the fact that you're, you're sort of manually upgrading the core and keeping that in version control. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I, it's it's sort of like everything else. I don't know that there's a right answer either either way. I think you can make cases for both. <clears throat> So one of the interesting things to circle back about sort of this notion of auto-deploy with Statomic, I, I knew, I have read a few months ago, there, there are tools out there that will allow you to do that. Um, like I think iWatch is one, and I think there's a couple others too, but basically that will, will watch certain folders on your, on your server and then potentially commit those up if you wanted them to. Um, I haven't had a chance to mess with that too much, but I just didn't know if you guys had had any I wonder any if you could just, uh, like you know, have something in your build process that just r-syncs the folders back down, the files back down. Because you don't need mm. to push, you only want to, you don't need to push them back up necessarily. You just need to, I mean, you really only want them for like development purposes, so you know that you're working with code that's in production. But you don't necessarily need to push that code back up. Well, I, mean, I, I think what what I would do here is, if this is really a big problem for you, just I would probably write a you know you can do it in, in Node or you can just write a straight up shell script that will go and do the uh, FTP fetch um, yeah. on on that folder and then you have it there and you can auto commit it if you want. Um, you could do that as part of the shell script. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I don't think it would be terribly difficult to do that. I mean, yeah. My, or if you have an idea at home, right? please let us know in the comments. <laughs> um, I've got, can I just, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the case Rigby that you brought up about, you know, I mean, theoretically, if I do, if I, I push, then I pull down locally, merge, and then push back and pull. Someone could theoretically publish content in that window of time. Mm -hmm. Although I don't know that it would necessarily cause a problem either because I wouldn't be overriding anything with that pull onto production if it's, a, if it's new content. If it was modified content, then it would ask me to merge at that point, which would probably be fine too. Mm. Um, so, you know, I... At, to this point, it hasn't been problematic to do it. I haven't had any like wild conflict issues. There, are, it's also not sites that there's content flying out every five minutes on either. So, um, I mean, it'll be something that I think uh, I continue to sort of figure out as we go. But I'm going to interrupt this broadcast with my results from Ookla. <laughs> 50, me 50 megabytes I'm paying for 0 0.19 megabytes download speed <laughs> doesn't seem upload very good. upload speed failed so, excellent <laughs> <laughs>